if possible. And I understand sometimes we get very vague, you know, we're just the messenger, right? So I saw on a, a customer feedback form that you were rude, right? So if that's the case, there's not much we can do. But if possible, try to get clear data points and clear action steps so you can be very specific in those alternative actions. A vague performance feedback can result in vague performance improvement. If we simply say, don't be a knucklehead, then it's going to be hard to uh, have very clear performance improvement. Good morning, HR. I'm Mike Coffey, and this is the podcast where I talk to business leaders about bringing people together to create value for shareholders, customers, and the community. Please follow, rate, and review Good Morning HR on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or at goodmorninghr.com. We've all been there. It's time for our manager to check the box and give us our annual performance review. We dutifully march into their office and sit through a mutually uncomfortable 15 minutes where our most recent strikeouts are reviewed and the home runs we hit earlier in the year are overlooked. Then our manager gives us a generous meets expectations, highlights three areas where we can improve, pats us on the head, and sends us on our way. And the only time we get feedback over the next 12 months is when our manager's really annoyed with us and the train's about to jump the tracks. Or maybe we work in a really progressive organization and everyone gets some sort of annual 360 feedback. But often that feedback is suffers from the same recency bias as the other performance feedback systems. It seems to be an almost universal consensus that this isn't the best way to improve performance, but many companies seem just stuck in that rut. Today on the podcast, I have the privilege of exploring meaningful performance feedback with Amber Vanderberg. Amber is founder of the Pathways Group, a global organization that works with teams to become more effective, more efficient, and more enjoyable. Welcome to Good Morning HR, Amber. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. So why don't the traditional annual performance feedback systems work? So for a few reasons, the biggest being that there is a long span of time between performance and the actual feedback. We're talking about a, an action, a performance, several months after the fact, then the effectiveness of that feedback is not going to be very strong. In order for us to give great performance feedback, we need to give feedback in a more timely manner. The other reason why our annual performance review isn't as strong is that many times it is based off of a preset determined uh, Likert scale. So do you meet expectations, not meet expectations? And then we don't move on from that. And it, the important thing is, is we know we've met expectations and this is why. We know we haven't met expectations and this is why. This is what we should continue doing. This is what we should continue to improve on. And beyond a simple metric, we're actually going into deeper conversation on a faster feedback loop, on a faster feedback basis to improve the overall performance of the organization. And 
what does it even mean to meet expectations? Often employees are are clueless. You've got you've got you know one line in your job description that talks about this particular expectation, and there's no conversation at any point until your annual review about what that really means, and you find out if you were lucky enough to hit the mark or not when you start having that conversation. You know that becomes a major challenge as an organization begins to grow and you have multiple leaders that are giving feedback. You might have someone that met expectations of coming to work on time in one department, and then they move to another department, and all of a sudden they're not meeting expectations. They're arriving at the same time, but one leader understood arriving to work on time as within the first 10 minutes of work. Another person understood that as arriving at the top of the hour, exactly. Here, there is a miscommunication amongst the leaders, uh, a lack of continuity amongst the leaders of what success actually looks like. That's something we'll talk with a lot of teams about, speak with a lot of leaders of what specifically does this look like? Tell a story of what this looks like. Tell an image of what this looks like in success. And many times we find that those stories have some inconsistencies among, amongst leadership teams. And we need to dig a bit deeper to have a consistent, agreed upon definition of what success means in our performance expectations. So what's, what's the best way to communicate those expectations then? How, I mean, so that everybody's on the same page uh, and especially that supervisor and that, that employee are on the same page. How do we, how, how should we, um, in a two-way, I guess, dialogue, understand what those expectations mean? So first things first, beginning a conversation is a good starting point. Uh, many organizations haven't even begun an organ, uh, a conversation. So beginning that conversation is, is first off, uh, we will actually go through what the performance expectations are that we have in our performance review, whether that be annual, we do ours quarterly, um, uh, we'll go through, this is how we've defined success. Okay. Now within each one of these metrics, let's go into deeper conversation of what that means. And we'll have that conversation amongst the leadership team to make sure there's continuity of understanding there, but we'll also have a deep understanding with the people who are actually performing, the people who are on our team. We actually do an activity where we'll ask team members to draw a picture of, or to uh, outline what they believe the performance expectations are in their job. And the whole team will do this activity and we'll look to see what similarities there are and areas where uh, there might be some inconsistencies. And this is where we'll identify where we should have more catered conversations. That was a long way of saying, look at, look at how you're measuring performance and go step by step. All right. What does it mean to give detailed reports in a timely manner? What does that actually look like? What does it mean to communicate to others? Tell me what that looks like uh, within a team. And so we define those expectations and so that's the baseline now. We figured out as a group, as a community, as a workplace, this is what we, we what the expectation is. Then when we bring somebody else into the organization, how do we, what's, a, how, what's your recommendation on how to educate them on what that looks like in, in the organization? So it's important to set those expectations from the very first interaction. So 
if you are bringing somebody into the team, those expectations should begin being set in that application process, in that interviewing process, in the onboarding process. We're reiterating these expectations multiple times throughout that decision-making process of both the applicant, soon to be team member, and the organization. So there is a clear understanding. Whenever I come into this team, this is how my performance will be measured. One of the worst things we can do is allow someone to go through the entire process and then measure them in a performance metric a year later on a metric that they did not know that they would be measured about. They didn't know that that would be a measure of their performance. That needs to be clearly communicated from the beginning. I've actually worked with some teams that will pull out the measures of performance and look at how they are communicating and clarifying those expectations in that interviewing process and also how they are training up people to be successful in the onboarding and continuous education aspect of their talent development as well. Yeah, that's interesting because that's when I'm coaching with employers on their employee selection process, one of the big things I push is trying to make the job as unappealing to the wrong person as possible. So if your expectations are, hey, this our workday starts at eight o'clock. I expect everybody at their desk working at eight o'clock, not at the coffee room, not at blah, blah, blah. And if that's really the, you know, the, the culture and the way you've got it, make sure you tell everybody in the interview process. So the people who uh, won't, won't or can't do that will self-select out of the process. And it's it's fair to everybody and makes it, you know, harder to fill up, put a butt in the seat, but that they'll, they're more likely to stay long, you know, uh, a longer period of time if if the job that they accept, that they think they're accepting is the job they actually have. You know, Mike, I'm reminded of uh, the Disney theme parks. Their hiring process is known for setting that expectation. Uh, there's an idea of, oh, I'm going to work at Disney parks. We're going to see smiling kids all the time and give balloons, right? And make, make a really uh, memorable experience. And they do let people know, hey, sometimes it's going to be hot and uh, kids are going to be tired and families might be a little cranky. <laughs> and even in these situations, you're still expected to give an excellent experience. And it's not always the smiling kid that's coming up. It could be someone that's having a rough day. And even in that situation, when you're hot and when you're tired and when you're outside and you have someone that's cranky, this is still the expectation. And some people do realize that within this conversation and they will self-select out as well. I think that's a powerful conversation that Disney uses in their interviewing process. Yeah, I think that's smart. So we have clear expectations. We're on the same page. Let's talk about the actual feedback pro- process and how. what's the, the right way to, to give feedback? When do you give it? Um, and... And maybe, you know, and we'll, let's, then we'll, we can talk about how to receive feedback because I think that's probably just as important. But uh, as, a, as a leader, how, what, should, what should my considerations be as I prepare to give somebody feedback? So before I go into the conversation, I do a bit of a self-assessment and ask, okay, have I communicated these expectations? 
Um, and that's a <laughs> that's a real conversation. Uh, we had a situation internally where I thought an expectation was not met. And then I realized, oh, I've never communicated that as an expectation. That's on me. <laughs> so uh, I'll do a bit of a self-assessment first. And then I'll go into the conversation first seeking understanding. Um, so that's first asking what what's going on? What's the what's the situation? What's the pulse check of the individual? I'm going to seek understanding first. You know, there's a, a communication theory called the fundamental attribution error. And it states that many times we judge other people by their outcomes while we judge ourselves by our intentions. So we see somebody else mess up and we'll assume the worst in what they were doing. But if we make the same mistake, we see what we were intending to do and we know that it was a mistake. And I keep that in mind whenever I'm going into my feedback conversation is first I seek that understanding. And then the next thing that I'll do is I'll go into the purpose of my feedback. Now, this is really the meat of your feedback. And many times whenever we're giving that feedback, we get caught up in the emotion of how someone might respond and how we are going to get our words across. I do first is I identify what is the actual purpose? Is it to fix undesired behavior? Is it to coach current behavior? Or is it to encourage desired behavior? Sometimes we forget about that encouraging part, but it's important to give encouraging feedback as well. And in all three of these purposes, I'm going to know the action. So if my goal is to give encouraging feedback, then the person should be able to walk away knowing exactly what actions, behaviors, attitudes should be repeated in the future. That means that I go beyond saying good job. I get very specific so that the person can get strategic. Good job in doing this. This was the result of that action. So they're actually going to see what the action was, why it was important, um, and why. So they understand the outcome and where it fits into the bigger organization. Exactly. Exactly. It's more than just a good job. It's actually that understanding of this is what I'm doing. And if I want to repeat this, if I want more good action, that doesn't mean that I do the exact same thing. It could be, right? It could be that I do the exact same action, but it could be, I understand this is the impact that we're going for. What if I did something else to do that, to um, cultivate that same impact, right? So we're going into that purpose of encouraging feedback. If I'm giving coaching feedback, it's going to be a slightly different approach. We're going to discuss what action, attitude, uh, behavior was exemplified. We're also going to demonstrate or um, uh, illustrate why that was important. And then go into a second layer of what action or behavior might improve, might go a little bit better, right? So we did something well. We can go into that coaching out conversation to raise the standard. So what is the alternative or the improved action? And why is that more preferred? So here, the purpose is to find a way to raise the level of performance as a whole. And let's take a quick break. Good Morning HR is brought to you by Imperative, premium background checks with fast and friendly service. If you're an HRCI or SHRM certified professional, this episode of Good Morning HR has been pre-approved for one half hour of recertification credit. To obtain the recertification information, visit 
goodmorninghr.com and click on Research Credits. Then select Episode 41 and enter the keyword Feedback. That's F-E-E-D-B-A-C-K. On April 14th, I'll be hosting a webinar entitled Drug-Free Workplaces in an Increasingly Tolerant and Stoned Society. This free webinar is approved for one professional development credit for SHRM certified professionals and one hour of general recertification credit for HRCI certified professionals. You can register for this free webinar at imperativeinfo.com. And if you're listening to this podcast after April 14th, you can still watch the recorded webinar on our website for credit for free. And now back to my conversation with Amber Vandenberg. And that works for behavior and skills. Is that like if, if somebody's just got a, a shortcoming skills wise? And so that's our, our you know, we want to improve their skills. Does, does that conversation work there as well? Or, or is, are we mostly talking about behavior and, and choices right now? So if you have someone that if you're in a coaching conversation, not mm-hmm. a, a challenge, right? A fixing conversation. Right. You're in a coaching conversation. Uh, yes. So here we talk about this is what was this is what's going well right mm-hmm. we're doing some value engineering this is what's going well and this is the impact this is what we want to keep now how can we raise that standard so if you're talking about a skill um let's give an example let's say a tech skill someone is mm-hmm. um continuously building their technology skills that conversation might be is there a class coming up to continuously raise that level and the impact would be even more effective technology skills that will help the company grow. Um, If it is a, let's say facilitation, we work, we're a training company. So we work with a lot of facilitators. We have people that are excellent at facilitating. We'll identify what specifically is good about their facilitation, the impact that it's had. And then in our coaching conversation, we'll discover how we can improve specifically in that facilitation skill. Uh, not necessarily behavior, but the skill. Um, what are those action steps we can take? And what's the impact? Now, that second impact, that's where that buy in is going to be. Otherwise, okay, I'm taking a class just because Amber said so, right? Yeah, <laughs> so right. it's that what's the impact of the improved skill? So then is that that coaching is more, it's, there's more of a conversation then? It's, it's, it's more, it's, it's not, um, it's not Amber telling me to go take this class. It's this is where your skill level is now. We need, let's, you know, it'd be ideal if it were at this other level. So let's talk about what would be successful, to, what would help you be successful in reaching that that goal. Yeah. So preferably that is that is more of a conversation and not a Amber's telling me to do this, right? Um, now, the third purpose is to fix undesired behavior or a skill. So this is undesired performance. Now, again, preferably this is more of a conversation. Sometimes it is, yeah, sometimes we are, there's a specific alternative action that we want, right? And so again, we're going to be very clear. This is the undesired action or behavior. And this is the impact of that undesired action or behavior. Then we go into that second layer of what and why. What is the alternative performance that we desire? 
and what is the impact of that alternative performance? So it's, if we're looking at two layers, so encouraging, we state what happened, what we want repeated and why. And then for coaching and fixing, we're going to say what happened, why that, what the impact was, and then that alternative action, that alternative performance and the impact of that alternative performance. Okay. So you were rude to this customer on this phone call and it lowered our, our customer satisfaction with what we're doing. Their likelihood of buying again. Um, it doesn't meet our, our standard of, of, you know, all, you know, or maybe it's our value of, uh, always honoring the customer. Um, and what we need from you is don't be a knucklehead in the future, but, uh, or, you know, what we need from you probably is more along the lines of, um, you know, putting your self in the customer's position, understanding their problem, uh, realizing that they're paying us to deliver service and a product and, uh, and that, you know, we want to, in every interaction, create value for, for the customer. So is it that the kind of conversation you're talking about? That's the conversation. If possible, I would try to be even more specific than that. So you were rude to the customer. What if he said and said, notice that you rolled your eyes and you walked away. Okay. In the future, stay at the desk. <laughs> Don't just walk away. Stay there yeah, and make yeah. eye contact with the individual. So even here, we're using positive words. So rather than saying, don't roll your eyes and walk away, we're actually giving, this is what I want you to do instead. Okay. Um, smile. <laughs> uh, so if possible, and I understand sometimes we get very vague, you know, we're just the messenger, right? So right. I saw on a, a customer feedback, feedback form that you were rude, right? So if that's the case, there's not much we can do. But if possible, try to get clear data points and clear action steps. So you can be very specific in those alternative actions. Uh, vague performance feedback can result in vague performance improvement. If we simply say, don't be a knucklehead, then it's going to be hard to uh, have very clear performance improvement. I understand there are times that we get the vague data points and that's going to be on us to try and ask. But even those conversations, do you remember this interaction uh, or tell me what, you know, yeah, tell me what happened when you were talking to so-and-so. Yeah. And, and see what they recall and, and, and dig into it. But yeah, um, I think that's, uh, you know, that's something we, uh, I think that's a really actionable thing that you said there about getting really, really specific there. Cause I think sometimes leaders uh, just tend to think, well, any moron knows what's expected here. Uh, and so, you know, why do I have to, I don't have to, I don't want to have to babysit my children at work. I, you know, that's that kind of attitude. And so, uh, I can see we're being very specific. Uh, first of all, it doesn't leave it up to debate later about what the conversation was about. Uh, and, uh, and there's, uh, hopefully some, some understanding from that employee from the other side of the conversation. So if I'm that employee who's getting coaching or, or, or just some sort of, uh, more direct uh, correction of my behavior. What are things that I can do to make that conversation more constructive and, and make sure I come away with a clear understanding of what's expected? I think that the first thing is to recognize that the way that you receive feedback is going to impact how much feedback you get in the future. Um, we, we see that a lot from leaders. I'll have leaders ask, 
Amber, I, I asked for feedback and I don't get it. And I said, well, how have you responded to feedback being received in the past? Or have you ever asked for feedback in the past? And the first time you're asking for it is in a formal annual review. When we try asking for that within a meeting, uh, asking for that in smaller stakes situations. So I think it's important to have the mindset of the way that I'm receiving feedback now will impact how much feedback and the type of honest feedback I'll get in the future. Always keep that in mind whenever I'm receiving feedback. So with that in mind, <laughs> uh, I, I do begin by thanking the person. Uh, it can be very vulnerable to give feedback. So uh, I do thank the individual for taking enough care in my performance to give the feedback. And then if there is points of unclarity, many times there are, I'll ask the question, um, can I ask a few clarifying questions so I can understand how I can improve? Um, almost every time they'll say yes, right? So, uh, but giving them permission, giving them permission to answer those questions, it sets a powerful tone of a conversation uh, as you're seeking those follow-up questions to get those action, uh, actionable things that you can do. So first thing I do is I, I do thank the person for that vulnerability, taking time to care and share. Uh, and then if I have any follow-up questions, I'll ask, hey, is it okay if I ask a few follow-up questions so I can seek that understanding? And then it, that's if I have follow-up questions, then I'll repeat back what that feedback was. So what I'm understanding is this. Sometimes whenever we receive feedback, the person is intending to say one thing and we are interpreting something entirely different, right? So it's important that we actually repeat that back and clarify. So this is how I am understanding this feedback. Is that correct? Okay. Yes, it is. Or no, it's not. Right. So then you can move on from there. Uh, and then, and then I'll move on to uh, an action step, right? So this is where we're, it's the same model, right? We're clarifying, okay, what exactly is the action that is um, the performance that is the issue, the reason why we're having this conversation? Am I understanding why, why that is important? Why are we bringing this up? All right. What is the alternative action? And sometimes, Mike, the alternative action, that's a, that's a tough conversation, uh, especially if you're a leader receiving feedback there might be something organizationally you don't have a lot of influence over, right? Or there may not be a lot that we can do within uh, the overall team performance, but it's important to let the person know, okay, I'm hearing what you're saying. This is something that might be, you know, we're going to try this or we can do something here. So we're going to clarify what those action steps are to improve the team environment, the performance. And then in you can state the, the why as well. So this is what we're going to do. This is the impact. Uh, this is what I'm going to do. I've been showing up late. I'm going to try to come work on time to make sure everyone is, we're starting meetings in a timely manner, right? Yeah. Um, and then what I encourage you to do is to follow up from that feedback. And that's if you're giving or receiving. Follow up from that feedback to see, hey, do you have any do you have any further feedback, right? Uh, is there any ways that I can continuously improve? I appreciate you taking that time to share that feedback. So, and so what does that schedule look like? Um, when, you know, so I received some feedback, 
or I'd give some feedback either way. When should I be following up to, uh, to see, you know, to talk about what our progress looks like? So I, you should have an immediate, you should have a, a initial follow-up within the week, right? Okay. So within the week of receiving the follow-up, if you're talking about something that might take more time to see actual improvement, then you're going to do a second follow-up maybe a month later. So let okay. me give an example, right? So if, um, let, let's use the example of being rude to customers, right? Okay. So, uh, so I am the person receiving the feedback that I have been rude to customers and come back a week later and say, Hey, this is what we talked about. This is what I've been trying to do again. You know, appreciate giving the feedback. But the reality is, is that's going to be a longer term process journey of learning how to create a better customer experience. So it's going to be way more beneficial to me to follow up again about a month, month and a half later and say, okay, I've been trying to put this in into place, you know, of creating a better customer experience. What, um, do you have any feedback? I mean, you can ask it that vaguely. Do you have any feedback for me uh, based off of our last conversation? It doesn't have to be a full planned speech. It really can be that simple. Um, and that's going to create an ongoing conversation. So if it's something that's very simple, hey, you know, stop eating, putting your stinky tuna in the lunchroom, um, yeah. <laughs> then that's going to be a simple solution, right? So part of this does depend on the context of the feedback that you're giving. Uh, so if it's a very simple solution, you know, okay, I've stopped putting my stinky tuna in the kitchen. All right. <laughs> that's going to be simple. But if it's going to be a longer journey, like improving that overall customer experience, that needs to be a continuous conversation that you're having. And so we've been primarily talking about interventions where somebody we're trying to you know either scale somebody's up to the next level or change their current behavior uh, but what is a in, in in Amber's ideal world what would the just the, the schedule for just regular touch base and review pr process and performance uh, with an employee what would that look like? Do you just keep that down to 12 months every once, once a year, every 12 months, or no. what would you do? So uh, I'll tell it's going to be a really horrible podcast. If I yes. opened it complaining about annual performance reviews and you said, yeah, we only need to do them once a year. So, right. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, so I'll tell you what we do within our company and what I encourage organizations to do. We look at both informal and formal feedback. So those are going to be two, they should complement each other, but they are two different approaches to feedback. Um, so your informal feedback is going to be just what it sounds like informal. It's going to be more of a continuous development conversation within your team. Uh, so that is going to be, give you an example. I sent a message to a team member that we had this morning. She did an excellent job on one of our social media posts. I sent her a message said, Hey, that was a really engaging post. Send it out in a timely manner. Keep up. You know, that, that's the action. The impact right. is we had a lot of engagement on that post. Good job. Right. <laughs> so she knows what, what was important and why that should be repeated. So that's okay. going to be that continuous conversation. 
uh, one thing that we do with our team, and we've grown to a size where I, I can't with time meet one-on-one with each person every week. And so I split the team, right? So I meet with half the team one week and half the team the other week, and we'll do one-on-ones. Uh, as our team has grown, we have considered splitting that one more time. And that's okay, right? This is an intentional you know, 15, 20 minutes that people have to have that conversation with with their leader, right? right so right. that's going to be that informal conversation. Um, within messages and that continuous informal feedback, studies are showing that, especially with millennials and Gen Z, there is a high craving for feedback. Mm-hmm. So you know, average is two to three times a week that people are craving that feedback, which in my mind was pretty high, but you can, you can alter that depending on your team. My team does get a decent amount of feedback every week. Yeah. My folks come in, my operations folks are actually doing background checks all day long with, so they're they're They have, and they've got, we've got consistent quality, uh, uh, peer review, doing quality checks of each other's works and and a system to record all that. And when everybody comes in every morning, they have a number about their quality for the previous day. And it's 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 consistent. Everybody's got a number and they know our, our goal is 100. Our objective is 100% quality. Uh, but, um, you know, we expect our margin to be 95 to 100. And, uh, and, and they're incentivized and bonused uh, on a weekly basis based on hitting that 95 number consistently. And so everybody knows where they stand every day. And and then they also know if they're below 100, exactly which which issue, what their issues were around, you know, what kept them from hitting 100, what was, and uh, and they can talk to their, you know, either uh, one of our, uh, one of their supervisors or managers or one of their peers, whoever, whoever, you know, dinged that item as, hey, this needs a correction. Um, they can talk to him about that. And, and so talk to me about peer feedback then, because that's the one thing that gets really awkward, right? I'm not this, I need, I see a need to give somebody permission or, or feedback. And I don't want to go tattle on the, to them every time to the boss. Hey, you know, Joanne made a mistake. So how, how do you, how important is peer feedback and, and any tips that are, different there for how to how to share that? Or is that just primarily a cultural thing? And it's up to me as the leader to build a culture where that's accepted. Yeah. Um, so I do want to go go back for a moment. I know that we were talking about informal feedback and I mm-hmm. never oh, okay. yeah. question about formal feedback. Sure. <laughs> so I, I want to make sure that I answer your okay. question. Um, so with, with informal feedback, that's a two to three times a week. You know, we'll have those mm-hmm. meetings. With formal feedback, I'll take those conversations that we've had throughout, you know, throughout the weeks, uh, and we have more formal meetings uh, quarterly. Uh, okay. Some some organizations we've worked with have done uh, more bimonthly, but quarterly or bimonthly that is a good cadence to receive formal feedback. You have to keep in mind it takes time to receive feedback, digest it, come up with a plan of change, implement that change, and have somebody notice that change. So that's going to take. Right. It's going to take a few weeks if you're talking about a larger review. So what we have found within our studies and our research is either quarterly or bimonthly is a good cadence to give that formal feedback. Uh, And then with informal feedback, two to three times a week 
as a goal of giving, giving that feedback as well. So you're looking at a cadence of both that are complementary. Right. And I've always argued if, if you're doing that informal feedback consistently and doing it well, there's no surprises when you get to that bi-monthly or quarterly or more formal uh, feedback process. And, and, and so if, if you're giving feedback and in, a, in your formal setting and an employee seems surprised or shocked by it, something else has gone wrong here. Either I haven't done my job as a leader or this person's just living with their head in the sand and just isn't, isn't really, a, you know, self-aware enough maybe to, to take that informal stuff. And we have to make sure we're circling back more often and more deliberately and directly with them about, about what the expectations are. Ramsey Solutions is quick to say that um, to be unclear is to be unkind. Uh, oh, wow. Whatever, which is so powerful. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's true. Yeah. To be, to be unclear is to be unkind. You need to be very clear whenever someone comes into those conversations. It really, our, our quarterly conversations are summaries. There really isn't a lot right. of new information that is given. It's a summary of what we've talked about. Um, but that's the point of it is to be clear. Hey, this is what we talked about the last few months. All right, we're good to go. And then we, um, what's our plan to continuously improve? And we'll, we'll have conversations from there. Um, so I want to now dive into your question. About, <laughs> um, I wanted to make sure I was clear on that, on that Thank question. You. Um, you had a question about peer feedback. Sure. Many organizations are intentional about equipping leaders to give excellent performance feedback, which we should do. That is very important. If we are going to include powerful peer feedback or 360 feedback, we must also be intentional to equip and prepare everyone in the team to give great performance feedback. We may have a a framework to give performance feedback as a leader, but you have given a platform to someone who may not have that framework or that tool to give powerful performance feedback. It is in my opinion that we should be empowering our team to give performance feedback, not only in platform, but also in framework and tool and skill as well. Uh, that's going to dramatically increase the effectiveness of the feedback that we receive as a team. So we're going to treat it just like we would any other competency that we expect people to have in their jobs. And we're, so we're going to actually invest in them, train them, and and uh, help them be successful in giving feedback to their peers and accepting it from their peers. Exactly. Yeah. We'll see that with some organizations where you go, well, we we tried a 360 review and the feedback we got wasn't, wasn't very good. And so my question will be, well, did you equip the people to give feedback? And <laughs> do they have an idea of how to give powerful feedback? And too many times the answer is no, we didn't. <laughs> and so it's important to have that power. Well, thanks, Amber. That's all the time we have today, but I really appreciate you joining me on the podcast. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It was a joy to speak with you. I hope we do it again. Absolutely. You have a good rest of the day. And thank you for listening. You can find previous episodes, show notes, and contact info for our guest at goodmorninghr.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. 
And don't forget to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Rob Upchurch is our technical producer, and I'm Mike Coffey. As always, don't hesitate to reach out if I can be of service to you personally or professionally. I'll see you next week, and until then, be well, do good, and keep your chin up.